0: Should we start? Yeah. Hi guys, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And this is Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. In today's episode, we're back to discuss our thoughts of Better Call Saul's third season. We'll get into the show's terrific cast, its pacing, and we'll ask ourselves where the show stands in the pantheon of greatest TV spin-offs. After this, we'll end things with a speed round of pop culture news. All that right after the break. At Los Pollos Hermanos, we know only the best will do for you and your family. What does family taste like? In your heart, you know it's the best ingredients, the spiciest spices, all prepared with love and care, and always delivered with a friendly smile. That's the Los Pollos Hermanos promise. Come in and try our new curly fries. We are so sure you'll like them. And if you don't, they're on me. Los Pollos Hermanos. Taste the family. Alright, so Iman, much to our excitement, Better Call Saul is back. It's back, baby. (laughs) Its third season started a couple of weeks ago, and without giving anything away, it's safe to say tension among the main characters of this show are at an all-time high. Now, we've mentioned Better Call Saul a few times in past episodes of this podcast, but given that we have never dedicated a full episode to discussing it, do you want to give our listeners a brief background of the show's premise?
1: Yeah, given that there was a little bit of a break between the second and third season, even I need a primer on it. Alright, so Better Call Saul is an AMC television crime-slash-drama series created as a spin-off prequel of Breaking Bad, the acclaimed series that you'd have, probably have to be living under a rock not to have heard about by now. <laughs> Set in 2002, Better Call Saul follows the story of a struggling small-time lawyer, Jimmy McGill, played by Bob Odenkirk. Six years before his appearance as Saul Goodman, the criminal lawyer with questionable morals, on Breaking Bad. This show explores all the twists and turns that caused Jimmy's transformation to Saul Goodman, including a very strained relationship with his older brother, Chuck. Mhm. Chuck is a no-nonsense by-the-book lawyer who disapproves entirely of Jimmy's unorthodox approach to interpreting the law. Season 3 picks up right where the previous season left off, like right where it left off. Mm-hmm. Chuck is still hellbent on destroying Jimmy's career. Jimmy's girlfriend Kim is worried about her practicing law in tandem with Jimmy and how that could jeopardize her own career. And Mike Ermintrout, also of Breaking Bad fame, is busy doing very undercover Mike things. That's really the only way to describe
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a really good summary. Um, Ivan, you mentioned Better Call Saul is a spin off of Breaking Bad. And spin offs as a whole don't really have a good reputation in TV history. But. My question for you is, what do you think allows Saul to continue to be such a great success? Because one thing that has blown me away is just the critical acclaim it's received. People are talking about this show as if it's one of the best dramas on television right now. Yeah, which is very impressive, given that, I mean, like you said,
1: spinoffs don't really have the greatest reputation. I remember with Lost when there were talks of maybe a Hurley spinoff, everyone was just kind of like,
0: why? I think that's the general response, because intuitively, everyone immediately, their knee-jerk reaction is that this is just the network's sad attempt to make more money off the success of the previous season. Yeah, to milk out
1: story where there isn't story. But I think just to kind of start responding to your question of what allows Saul to continue to be a great success, it's that there was story there to be found. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably the first thing that we should talk about are just the characters that are on this show. The two that were lifted from Breaking Bad are Saul Goodman and Mike Ehrmantraut, who I was always excited to see on screen, but they
0: didn't get that much screen time. That's right. So we learned a lot more about their backgrounds. And the show also, very smartly, introduced us to some extremely compelling new characters as well. Two that immediately come to mind. um, One, of course, is Chuck that you mentioned Mm -hmm. in your plot talk. Yeah,
1: who's very complicated. Yes,
0: Chuck is played by Michael McKean and... It's (sighs) It's, <sighs> it's
1: hard not to open the chuck can of worms without talking about how much without just him. ranting about how much I hate him. I mean, he's complicated in that he is, uh, he's Saul's older brother. He started as a lawyer before Saul did. So there's some definite jealousy there and i think the last season did a really good job of fleshing out maybe why that jealousy is there they dive into the to get very freudian relationship with their mother Mm -hmm. they show kind of some i don't know just a lot of complexes that he has
0: yeah and then adding to that complex they made the decision of giving chuck what appears to be a psychosomatic disability Yeah, which is very interesting to pick apart. Right. And much to our surprise, Saul Goodman, a character who has morally ambiguous standards in Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad, is introduced to us almost as Chuck's primary caretaker. Yeah, which I will
1: admit, this this immediately paints Jimmy in a much more sympathetic light than Chuck, Mm -hmm. who is a guy that has a disability that we're not even really sure is a disability. Um, this isn't spoilery at all, but he's allergic.
0: He's extremely sensitive to
1: electricity. Yes. So his home is constantly cloaked in darkness. He used to be a successful lawyer, but it seems like this is something that he's developed by the time that we meet him. Mm-hmm. So it, it's strange and that that seems like it's either a... A psychological thing. We don't know if it's real, but the fact that Jimmy trusts him on it and believes him makes him sympathetic immediately. So when I say that I hate Chuck, I recognize that this is what the show
0: wants me to do. But it's also strange because we're describing a man with a disability and we're talking about how much we hate him. I know. So rather a... than making us sympathetic to him and his suffering, I guess yeah. you could say... The show does something else where they twist his character in a way that makes us question whether he is actually feeling these things or if he's just reacting to something else. And they also show how he's pretty ungrateful toward Jimmy. Yeah, I
1: mean, this is something that you and I um, and fans of Breaking Bad will recognize is that they also had a disabled character on that show and I always really respected the depiction of... Of that character. That was Walt, uh, the main character of Breaking Bad's son. He had cerebral palsy, and they always did a very respectful depiction of it where he wasn't a victim. Mm -hmm. He was just kind of a normal teenager, and I loved that. Here, they've even pushed it further where they make the (laughs) (laughs) villain disabled, which is just so contrary to what television rules or even social rules concerning disabilities are, where you kind of say, like... Oh, well, we don't touch those poor victims, these brave warriors that are suffering with something. Like, no, I love how real Better Call Saul gets with that.
0: Yes, and I love how juicy of a villain Chuck is in general. Yeah. He has his complexes. I will
1: say, I do feel a little strange about the fact that when I was rewatching the season two finale, this is not very spoilery, but he has, it's just showing him struggling with his disability He was groaning at one point, and I had to fast forward through it because I hated him so much.
0: Uh, You're a little evil, but we know that by now. (laughs) Oh, what about another character on the show, Kim Wexler, played by Ray Seahorn? Such a great character. I don't know if Iman and I have hinted at this in this podcast before, but it's really difficult for us to immediately like female characters and I think that's just a symbol of how terribly written female characters in television shows usually are yeah we tend to be
1: I mean we tend to be critical of all genders of characters but because of the poor writing yeah you're gonna complain about most of and I feel like we've
0: mentioned this before but it's always a surprise to us when we don't hate a female (laughs) character and that's definitely the case with Kim She's awesome. She's so great. She's a hardworking lawyer. Who's very competent. Very
1: competent, but not too big for her britches or anything, in the sense that she is kind of... uh, She gets her law degree somewhat in tandem with Jimmy, both of them. They're not necessarily young when they pass their bar exam, so it seems like both of them are kind of outsiders in this lawyer circle. Mm -hmm. And she just pushes her way through everything with grit and grace and a strong moral compass. I I just really like this character. It's interesting how on Breaking Bad you had a character
0: like Skyler. I was just going to say comparing her character to the depiction of Skyler White and how hated of a character she was. It's mm-hmm. really interesting to compare Yeah, because, I mean, they are somewhat similar characters. I don't
1: entirely agree with the hate that Skylar got.
0: Yeah, and I feel like she got her redemption by the end of Breaking Bad's arc. Yeah. But here, Kim is
1: just, I mean, she's being portrayed as a likable character, and it's succeeding. And I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how her character develops over this next season.
0: Yes, and then the other... I don't know, for me personally, one of the most nerve-wracking things about watching this show as it stands as a prequel is knowing that neither of these characters appear in Breaking Bad. So Mm. we know something is going to happen between their relationships with Jimmy or Saul Goodman that somehow pushes them out of his life. Yeah, this the fact that this show is a prequel and not
1: a follow-up sequel makes the mental logistics or algebra that we're trying to do in terms of calculating how we'll get to the end point that is Breaking Bad just a really fun puzzle.
0: Yes. Another aspect of the show that makes it really successful is the fact that Better Call Saul definitely has plenty of references to its source material. And I think... The writers were just really clever in not only framing the show as a prequel, but also giving us glimpses into Saul's future after the events of Breaking Bad. Yes, anyone that starts the show fresh not
1: having seen Breaking Bad, a little guide is that any scene in black and white is actually a flash forward into the universe even past Breaking Bad. So they're playing with time in a really interesting way. Mm -hmm. Something that kind of flips your um, vote for a good thing about Saul being references to the source material. I'd say another good thing is that it doesn't feel overtly or too dependent on Breaking Bad. I think that if I had never seen Breaking Bad, you
0: you could still enjoy this show. Oh, definitely. I mean... You are rewarded if you have seen Breaking Bad, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't take away from the experience of enjoying this show as a standalone series as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's because the writers never got sloppy, Mm -hmm. they never relied too much on it being just based on an enormously successful show, and they never lost their attention to detail, which I would say is probably the third
0: point in this why does better call Saul work. Right. I'm so impressed with the show creator's approach to this show, because... They were able to treat it with the same meticulous attention to detail and standard of excellence as they did with Breaking Bad. You can tell that the creators just really care about this show and all its characters, and in terms of the camera work and editing, episodes really feel on par with Breaking Bad. And I will say, that to me is even more
1: impressive and successful in Better Call Saul than even Breaking Bad, because they're building drama with visual cues where drama normally might not exist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Breaking Bad was a show about meth yeah, and a drug dealer. Better Call Saul, I mean, we mentioned it's about lawyers. It's about a lot of just kind of legal red tape and court documents a lot of the dramatic scenes that we're getting is kind of them cut, literally
0: manipulating evidence yeah
1: manipulating evidence diving in dumpsters to find old documents from a retirement home
0: yeah it's stuff that isn't inherently isn't sexy. inherently
1: sexy for television dramas or crime but they managed to make really interesting
0: yeah and i will say the pacing as thoughtful and as meticulous as it is, it's pretty slow. Yes. So my second big question is, do you think there's a reason for concern for audience enthusiasm to wear off? I do think it's a risk
1: starting with season three, just because at the onset, I said even I needed a primer or a primer between season two and season three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... So, yes, I do think it is a risk, but I don't know if I'm blaming Better Call Saul for that or if I'm just blaming the glut of good television out right now for that. Yeah. I think if I had no other shows, if I weren't starting The Wire and a bunch of other stuff, (laughs) I think, yeah, I'd probably be a little more aware of the fact that it came back as opposed to um, just kind of the week before, realizing, oh, better call Saul's back next week. But I don't know. I do think just in terms of the actual plotting of the show and everything,
0: yeah, it does ask you to invest more. Right. And another really interesting aspect of this show is the fact that huge mysteries still exist, despite the fact that it's a prequel and we kind of know where a lot of characters end up.
1: Yeah, I will say um, the Mike storyline in this show is worth watching the show for in and of itself. Yes. I don't, I'm glad
0: that they didn't make the Mike show. I'm sure
1: there are reasons they didn't do that, but his inclusion in this prequel is primo.
0: And I feel like Mike's character is definitely more tied to the whole criminal ring aspect Mm -hmm. of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Just tangentially. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. We've talked about how much we love this show. Where do you think Better Call Saul stands in comparison to other great TV spinoffs? And by that, I, of course, mean the only television spinoff worth mentioning, Frasier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We love Frasier so saying that i don't know if we've mentioned that on the podcast have we i recently heard somebody hating on Frasier because it was like the whitest show i don't know i think maybe it's it's i don't think it's specifically white it's just nerdy and that's us <laughs>
0: yeah uh okay but this isn't the Frasier show okay unfortunately. how do you think it compares um, Knowing that our standard of excellence and our love for Frazier is so high. Well, we're comparing a
1: comedy sitcom and a crime drama. It feels a
0: little apples and oranges. Uh-huh. Wouldn't you think? I think if we're looking at TV broadly, we're going to constantly turn to these two examples as... Examples of the best-case scenario of how to create mm. a, a successful spin-off show. I would agree about that,
1: in their own genres. Right.
0: I actually heard an NPR review of Saul's third season, which made an interesting observation on the similarities of the two shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah, according to David Bianculli, Saul is quote, even reinvented and refreshed its storyline the same way Frasier did, by giving the main character a brother and making sibling rivalry and similar occupational interests a key to the new show's central dynamic. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Mind blown. I had not thought about that at all. They could have copied it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they didn't, but still, that's... That's fascinating, yeah, and the sibling rivalry aspect is probably one of the juiciest, most frustrating aspects of this show, and that kind of was the meat and potatoes of Frasier, too.
0: Yes, and I think part of the reason why that resonates with so many people is because it's almost a universal experience for anyone that has siblings to not only experience the... How do I describe this? I, I'm i trying to think of why the connection between Saul and Chuck frustrates, frustrates me so much. And I think it's because I take it personally. I can, exactly. I, I, let me jump on
1: this. <laughs> I can explain this because I've been giving a lot of thought as to why Chuck frustrates me. And I think the way that he almost exploits the bond that his brother has to him. And as a younger sibling, I think I also feel this specifically as a younger sibling, where it's like... Even though Chuck is the older brother. Chuck is the older sibling. I'm saying as Jimmy, okay, Jimmy as the younger sibling, no matter what relationship you are, you want to make your older sibling love you. Hmm. Like, you want your older sibling's approval growing up. That's your... That's kind of apart from your parents. That's your touchstone. That's your touchstone, and you don't know the world without this person. Mm -hmm. That's a huge bond, and a huge like, it's like a parent that's not your parent. So the way that Chuck is so ridiculously withholding with Jimmy and constantly manipulating him to kind of like he's rejecting his love or he's unappreciative of his love. He's constantly putting Jimmy down. Holding him at arm's length. Holding him at arm's length and Jimmy just keeps beating against that closed door to me that is tragic both as a younger sibling and as a sibling in general that's watching this bond violated. Mm-hmm. In Fraser, I mean, we joke constantly about how we are Niles and Fraser yeah. because much as they bicker, they have that inherent bond where it's like they have the same occupation and that unites them. Yes. Yes, there's competition but it unites them. And here you see Chuck just so like I did
0: it the right way and you did it the wrong way, so I'm going to ruin your life. (laughs) I feel like so many people watching this show could say, well, why doesn't Jimmy just leave Chuck and not look back? If they were friends, yeah, but they're brothers. Exactly, and I think that's where the beauty of this show comes into play because they recognize that you can't just walk out on this.
1: I feel that was this that description <laughs> that I just gave was so cathartic for me. Uh
0: and I feel like that's why it's it's possible to have those guttural reactions to mm-hmm. Chuck because it, it feels personal like you said. Yeah, because the story is being so well told and we have such a such
1: a rounded out sense of Chuck and why what he's doing is wrong. It's not just a he's not just an evil villain twirling his mustache. Mhm. It's just a testament to the good writing.
0: Yes. All right. Well, given that the season has only started, I'm sure we're going to continue talking about this show for weeks to come. But let's move on to our next segment, Iman. Okay. We were both a little short on signal boosts this week, so I thought we could mix things up and bring back a segment we haven't done in a while. Okay. How about we do a pop culture news speed round? Sounds great. Okay, so here's how it'll work. I pulled a few pop culture headlines from various sources. I'll read each one and then put three minutes on the clock for us to give our hot takes or initial impressions on each one of them. If time runs out, we'll hear this sound. Sound good?
1: Yeah, I'm nervous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the first headline. Kendrick Lamar released his much-anticipated album, Damn, on Good Friday. Damn! (laughs) How do you feel about this
1: album? The way that I feel about the release is separate from how I feel about the album at this moment. I was over-the-moon ecstatic about Kendrick's new album, given that he was kind of hyping it himself. Yeah, Which, and I was, it was the first time that I was kind of actively participating in the rollout or the announcement, which was so fun. Um, When the album actually came out, I was traveling. I didn't realize I had it on shuffle. So my introduction to the album probably wasn't as perfect as yours is. So I'm going to hand it off to you to talk about the actual album.
0: All right. Well, for people who don't know, Kendrick Lamar is a 29-year-old rapper who has seven Grammys to his name. Mm-hmm. Most people say he's one of the most gifted rappers in the game. Not just right now, because that's a given, but in the history of rap and hip-hop. Of all time. And I absolutely agree with this because I think Damn is an incredible album. It's not my favorite yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still reserving my favorite Kendrick Lamar album title to to Kendrick pimp a butterfly. butterfly. Mm-hmm. And I think I was surprised because we're actually in the minority when we say that's our favorite album. Yeah, I was surprised. This album has more pop sounds on it, uh, mm-hmm.
1: whereas pimp a, "Pimp a Butterfly" I'd say the dominant sound was trumpets. So
0: yeah, funk.
1: Yeah, funk. I, I mean, that's all. That's right up my alley. But yeah, this one, it's, it's growing good. on me. Mm-hmm. The
0: more and more I listen to it, and that gives me hope lyrically, I think he's never been better, as I told Eric and he mentioned on the House Arrest podcast. Mm -hmm. In this album in particular, I was just so impressed with the way he has such an awareness of his voice and how to use it to create different characters. Mm -hmm. So I think he's just an incredible storyteller in the way that he's able to manipulate that and... Add such nuance to each of his tracks.
1: Yeah. And he's kind of... This is one of the first albums where it feels very introspective in that he just feels so aware of his own success, the pitfalls of success, his own journey. Ain't nobody praying for him. But I'm going to continue praying for Kendrick. I liked this album, and I'm looking forward to it growing more on
0: me. Yes. I mean, in comparison where... (coughs) Time's up. Oh, no. <gasps> I'm what just was gonna... the comparison? <laughs> <laughs> Previous albums of his seem to be more of a statement on his mm-hmm. society, where he came from. This one feels a lot more introspective, and it's all the more interesting because of that. All right. And to end things, I'll just say it's just so exciting to see how much young talent there is out there, because it seems like everyone's at the top of their game right now. Yes. All right,
1: we went over time on the okay. first one. <laughs> we can make the next one shorter. All right, let's move on to the next headline then.
0: Okay. It was just announced that the movie The Man from Uncle is going to have a sequel. How do we feel about this?
1: I'm so excited! I mean... I think, again, we may have been in the minority, or it just seems like everyone kind of slept on Man from Uncle, but I really liked it, and the way that it ended, as we mentioned in our podcast on that movie, was that it was so set up for a sequel. Oh,
0: definitely.
1: So I don't find this news particularly surprising, but I'm really glad to know that it's happening and that it's something I can look forward to that has a
0: concrete announcement behind it. Yeah, this is a movie that made us love Army Hammer. Yeah. And I think it was just because the chemistry between the three main characters of the movie, uh, Alicia Vikander, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer. It was so strong, and that's primarily what I'm most looking forward to moving on. Yeah. Also, I just really love
1: the time period in which it's set. It's kind of that what is it? Cold War-ish. Yes. Time and really beautiful costumes. Just it takes place all over Europe. Takes place all over Europe. It's it's just a fun movie, and I'm looking forward to a fun
0: sequel. Yes, we have no idea when it's going to come out. Apparently, Army Hammer himself was the one that leaked the news, and he just said that they were barely starting work on the script. Oh wow! But he said the the fact that they're making it was kind of in response to the overwhelming fan reactions that came to to the movie and like you said it didn't do that well in terms of how much money it brought in in the box office but it gained a lot more popularity once it came out on dvd oh cool yeah so i'm excited about it too yeah okay our next piece of pop culture news will smith is in talks to play genie in disney's live action adaptation of aladdin how do we feel about this, Iman? What? Okay, so first, first season news: live action adaptation of Aladdin. I guess now it's just a given that they're going to do a live action adaptation of every Disney movie. Oh gosh, I guess when we know that they're doing
1: Lion King, that kind of opens up all the doors. Wow. I mean, it's, it's... weird. How do you feel about it? You go first.
0: <laughs> I'm still, I'm still absorbing, digesting. This. It's It's interesting. I think this obviously was a very touchy subject, given the fact that Robin Williams passed away not too long ago. And it's such an iconic and beloved character that I think very few people could be considered for this. And when I thought about this, I think Will Smith is actually one of the few people charismatic enough to pull it off. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It's also just different enough for yeah. it not to feel like his performance as I'm anticipating it would feel like it would be copying Robin Williams's energy. Yeah. I mean
1: for a minute or for 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 a minute for the 0. 0.5 seconds after I learned about this, which was maybe 20 seconds ago, um yeah, it's interesting because this is kind of a racial recast, you could say, but then at the
0: same time, the genie doesn't have a race, so... <laughs> well, traditionally, I feel like Aladdin is a Middle Eastern character. Yeah, the fact
1: that none of these characters are Middle Eastern were well, played we by Middle we Eastern actors. don't know
0: who Aladdin is going to be. Well, at least I don't. I don't either.
1: I feel like they're probably going to do something like Darren Chris, and just like...
0: No, I feel like it makes sense to add people of color. And the only other African-American genie that I can think of right now is Kazam.
1: (laughs) I know! I I thought of Shaq. I was like, why
0: didn't they ask Shaq to do that? That might actually be interesting, but no, I think we're going to have a very cool genie. And I'm trying to think... If Robin Williams was considered a cool guy back in the 90s, and I'm pretty sure he was. Do you think this
1: live action, this is a complete tangent that we can cut, but how long do you think it will take for us to get think pieces about a black actor playing a genie that gets freed? Oh, God. (laughs)
0: I'm already already dreading it, (sighs) (sighs) Okay, time is up. Perfect. (laughs) Okay, we have one more piece of pop culture news. Alrighty. Disney debuted its Last Jedi trailer at a Star Wars convention a few days ago. Yeah, and then promptly released it like two seconds later
1: online. (laughs) Yes. It felt like this trailer was everywhere. What did you think about
0: it? Did you see it? I did. It was fine. Okay. Okay. Do you have any other thoughts on it? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I know I'll probably see it eventually. Yeah, I feel like they're really good at creating hype-up trailers. That's yeah. for sure. The first half where they're basically showing a bunch of nature shots of islands. Yeah, and it's t- and you hear, I believe Mark Hamill's voice telling Daisy Ridley or, or Ray to breathe. Yeah, it, it felt like it felt very Zen very planet earth yes and then the second half of the trailer was a lot more action and explosions yeah and i think that's where a lot of people got excited yeah i will say i do think that this
1: we talked about the glut of good content the glut of star wars movies now it just kind of to me feels like i get as excited about them as i do about marvel movies now which
0: they it don't feel like,
1: unique. It doesn't feel like as much of an event, or it's quickly turning into something that doesn't feel like quite as much of an event. I don't really like superhero movies that much. I definitely like these more, but it's kind of walk, don't run.
0: Yeah. That's our our traditional saying for movies that we're lukewarm excited <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> Okay. And then one quote in particular at the very end of the trailer got a lot of attention when you hear Luke Skywalker say, It's time for the Jedi to end. <laughs> Did you see the the comic that someone drew? It said, It's time for the Jedi to end, dot dot dot. The mother effing empire? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but Yeah, I feel like they're going to find a way to rewrite their way out of a conclusive statement like that and just make 20 more movies.
0: It is fun to just make fun of the excitement and just roll with it.
1: There's going to be a Han movie. We know we're going to get Lando Calrissian played by Donald Glover. There's so much coming that part of me, for Last Jedi specifically, I'm
0: like yeah, cool. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we'll we'll get excited with the crowd. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> okay, we got much better at sticking to the three minutes. We did. Okay, I feel like there is kind of one last headline that we could go into, but it's a piece of personal news that I know you wanted to rant about, Iman.
1: Yeah, I guess if we were to write a BuzzFeed article on this it would be 12 reasons why we're not doing Comic-Con this year.
0: I know this is kind of big news because you have gone to Comic-Con for what? A decade. Yeah 10 years in a row? I think so. And this year we made the decision not to go. Yeah
1: I mean I felt palpable relief. Oh that's interesting. When we said we weren't going. And I think for the past few years, I've kind of had to drum up my own excitement about wanting to go. Where it's kind of very contingent upon who's going to be there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We kind of weren't going as much for just the event itself. Because we've seen it so many times. Yes. And last year was one of the first years that I think they're trying to shake up their ticketing slash lining situation mm-hmm. and it has just turned into a hunger games-esque first come sleep there over three nights
0: first yeah. serve it's like survivor man yeah exactly. <laughs> we talked about it on this show how it was the first year in close to a decade that we didn't get into hall h yeah because we didn't get
1: into the disabled line the night before? Yeah. The disabled line that they put in the sun? Yeah. When everyone else got tense? I mean, like, consider me not going this year half protest vote. It, it was just so frustrating last year. And I really think, I mean, good
0: on them for trying to streamline their process and everything, but... I think it's gotten to the point where the process and the whole ticketing and all the semantics has grown to the point where it's it's superseding the the experience of the event as well. And as we noted last year, we didn't get into Hall H, but... We did see all the trailers that were released that same day or immediately after, so it doesn't really feel like we're going to miss out on much.
1: Yeah, I think I'm actually, part of me is excited to think that the tickets that we would have gotten are going to go to somebody else who has maybe wanted to go to Comic-Con for 10 years.
0: Yeah, except for, I know. Except for literally (laughs)
1: everyone that we know that tried getting tickets. I mean, yeah, it's, the second I think about it, I won't feel that good about it, but... I'm really looking forward to walking around downtown and soaking in the Comic-Con environment without necessarily having to get tangled up in just the the stress.
0: Yeah. Or the lines waiting yeah. in the sun for hours. Mhm. I don't know, I guess we're just officially old. <laughs> Maybe that's it. All right. Well, on that note, I think that does it for this episode <laughs> of Screensaver. <laughs>
1: Tuck off for a nice (laughs) cup of tea and an episode of Frasier.
0: Yes. Uh, For those of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on the stuff we've covered today, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. And as always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh Iman, much to our joy and excitement, better call Saul's back. It's (laughs) alright
1: Much to our joy and excitement (laughs) Truth (laughs) joy or excitement not both
0: (laughs) It's a little extra (laughs) All right